0: Hello and welcome to today's show. You are listening to The Digital Matrix, where Kurt talks to some of the brightest minds in the industry about the most advanced technology IT solutions available today to help your business thrive. Today's episode is
1: brought to you by General Data Tech at www.gdt.com. You can also email the show at podcast at gdt.com. And now, to start the show from his secret podcast studio in City Center in Houston, Texas, here's your host, Kurt Nordquist. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to the show today. I'm your host, Kurt Nordquist, Executive Director of Global Alliances here at GDT. You know, every single day... I support a tremendous sales and engineering team as they collaborate with our customers to bring the best in today's technology solutions around infrastructure, compute, storage, collaboration, cloud, and of course, cybersecurity, a topic we're about to touch on a little more in this episode. Those solutions I speak of are built from the best of breed manufacturers on the planet, several of whom I have asked to join me on this show, The Digital Matrix, to talk about how these solutions are best built to tackle the challenges all organizations face today to serve their customers and to create a competitive advantage. Today, my guest on the Digital Matrix is Cricket Lou with Infoblox. You know them. They're the DDI platform people with products around DNS, DHCP, and IP Address Management, or IPAM. What they will say is an on-prem and cloud-native core network and security service that lets you reliably automate and secure access to your organization's apps and services anytime, anywhere. GDT and Infoblox have partnered together for many years, providing our mutual customers, international and domestic from coast to coast, with great solutions and fantastic service around these technology implementations. Cricket is the executive vice president and chief evangelist at Infoblox and is one of the world's leading experts on the domain name system, or more commonly called DNS. He also serves as the liaison between Infoblox and the DNS community. He used to run the hp.com domain at Hewlett Packard and has even written a number of books, including DNS and Bind, one of the most widely used references in the field, now in its fifth edition. So Cricket... Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on the show today. That's quite an impressive background you have.
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Kurt. I appreciate it.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what it is you do for
0: Infoblox as a chief evangelist? Uh, Sure. Um, So I should say that chief evangelist is a relatively new title for me. It's uh, just since I joined the marketing organization, which was, I suppose, about six months ago. Um, I've been with Infoblox now. Over 19 years, which I find a little bit hard to believe. And but the this industry, yeah, especially. Line,
1: yeah.
0: The one through line in all of that is that I spend a lot of time with Infoblox's customers and prospects, trying to understand uh, their challenges, specifically with respect to DNS and, and DHCP. I talk on behalf of the company. And uh, I still do internal consulting, advising our internal uh, product management and engineering organizations on how we should develop the products.
1: So DNS hasn't traditionally had much to do with security,
0: right? Uh, That's right. I mean, if you look back as far as, say, the early 1980s when DNS was born, there were almost no security features at all. Um, And then for, I would say, the first... uh, Probably 20 years or so, we really concentrated on making DNS servers and the protocols bulletproof um, to try to make sure, for example, that we defended against cache poisoning attacks and that uh, it was difficult to mount a DDoS attack using a DNS server, those sorts of things. Um, and, And it's only, I think, within the last 10 years, or maybe if you're generous, 15 years that we've we've started to think about DNS as a security tool.
1: So what's changed then? How is DNS relevant to security today?
0: Well, I, I think there was a realization starting in about 2008 that uh, the, the DNS servers in particular could be a really valuable ally to uh, security administrators. Because, of course, DNS is involved in basically every non-trivial transaction that occurs over a TCP IP-based network. And uh, it's the DNS servers, for example, that receive the queries. If you're trying to go to a a website and it's (laughs) a malicious website that's going to infect your device, it's a, a DNS server that probably gets queried if there's a piece of malware on your Laptop and it's trying to reach out to a command and control server out on the internet. And for the first, say, two decades of DNS's life, DNS has just been obliging, and it said, "Oh, you want to know the IP address of commandandcontrol.malware.org? Sure, here you go." <laughs> so, <laughs> in about uh, in about two thousand eight, if I remember correctly, Paul Vixie and uh, Vernon Shriver came up with this notion of of a response policy zone, or RPZ, for short which is basically reputational data carried around in uh, DNS zone format. And uh, with it, you you can instruct your DNS server to lie effectively if it receives a query for a domain name that you know to be malicious. And instead of resolving that to the current IP address out there on the Internet, you can say that doesn't exist or that IP address is the IP address of our um, captive portal, where we're going to direct you and tell you that you tried to go somewhere that you shouldn't have gone.
1: So, Cricket, what kind of DNS-based security
0: mechanisms are out there? Well, uh, response policy zones, as I said, are are a, a relatively new, I guess, in the in the timescale of DNS mechanism, um, and and they're they've been complemented now by uh, a lot of other I would say a lot of other security mechanisms that allow you to take um, what I would call DNS telemetric data um, that we can now retrieve from our, our DNS servers and to analyze that. Um, response policy zones are great if what you're looking for is um, reputational data, but sometimes you can't tell whether or not a specific use of DNS is malicious. Until you do some sort of analysis of it, you have to look at the patterns, for example, look to see whether somebody's trying to embed something malicious in uh, the payload of of a DNS response. Um, so uh, those sorts of analytics are also uh, very new on the DNS scene so these
1: response policy zones that that you mentioned they sound like they're a pretty useful mechanism. How do companies
0: use them well uh, A lot of our customers and a lot of, I I think, forward-looking organizations around the internet use them by plumbing these response policy zones into their DNS infrastructure so that all of their DNS servers have um, up-to-date information about the domain names that are being used by the bad guys at any moment in time. Um, The the idea of a a response policy zone feed – Came, came into being. Basically, it's it's uh, response policy zone data that's being offered by some organizations. Sometimes it's free. Sometimes it's, it's uh, uh, for, for some sort of fee. But the organization that's curating that feed keeps all that data up to date. And you can subscribe to response policy zones that serve any number of, of uh, purposes. Some of them um, have the latest command and control infrastructure that malware is using out on the uh, internet. Some of them have uh, known phishing sites um, some of them are are uh, you know special purpose and are devoted to say uh, gambling or hate speech or things like that
1: fascinating so so cricket we we talk about IOT we talk about all of these devices being added to the edge how does DNS work in an IOT
0: environment well, One of the really nice things about DNS is that it's used by basically every device on a TCP IP-based network. So if you have uh, IoT devices on your network and you need to provide some sort of security, you're probably not able to load up um, some sort of endpoint software in order to secure them. On the other hand, if you have your DNS servers instrumented instrumented and configured to prevent their queryers from going places that they shouldn't. Well, IOT devices still send DNS queries. So um, it's a, a, common, a, a common denominator uh, of, of security that you can apply to anything, including IOT. So I had mentioned the edge in that previous question
1: and what we have seen through the pandemic and, and a lot of people working at home now, there are so many people now working remote. Is DNS still useful in these scenarios?
0: It, it certainly can be. Uh, the difficulty, I think, if, if people are working remotely is that you may not have direct control over the DNS infrastructure that they use. Um, they may be using, for example, their ISP's DNS servers, or they may simply use Google Public DNS or something like that. So it makes it more difficult in order to, to secure their access using DNS. But we and and some other companies also provide um, cloud-based recursive DNS services that are secure and that um, enable you to to have your remote workers reconfigure their DNS resolvers to query our DNS infrastructure. And um, then you can configure your security policies through our cloud portal and determine where those folks can go and where they shouldn't go, how to protect them. Um, And you also gain a ton of visibility into what it is that they're doing right? where they're going out there on the internet.
1: You had mentioned previously cricket about telemetry. What about the telemetry that you can get from DNS servers? How is that particularly
0: useful? Well, you know, it's it's enormously useful um, for, for a number of different purposes, for example, let's say you're trying to identify places where your employees are using what we refer to as shadow IT services. Um, the, the, a file sharing service out there on the internet that is not your corporate standard or, um, a mail service that you guys don't use something like that. Um, that's easy to pick out of DNS telemetric data if you have access to it, um, if you see, for example, that one of your devices has been compromised, um, DNS telemetry can show you what the attacker did after they successfully compromised the device. Did they move laterally to other parts of your organization? Um, did they attack another device and compromise it, and use it as a, a stepping stone? Um, so, so a lot of our forward-looking customers are are capturing that, saving that. Uh, telemetry so that they can they can conduct those sorts of investigations. My guest
1: today is Cricket Liu with Infoblox. Cricket, if you would, tell me a little bit more about the analytics that you can do with passive DNS. What kind of algorithms
0: have you seen? Well, passive DNS um, is really that, that telemetric data. Um, that you can get from these these DNS servers. And uh, as I said, you know, we have some, some really impressive customers uh, out there that record telemetry from uh, Infoblox DNS servers and then do some pretty advanced analytics on it. Some of the things that you can find from that uh, telemetry are things like the operation of domain generation algorithms or DGAs, which are used by malware to sort of hunt through a list of domain names and find an active command and control server out there on the Internet. Um, Sometimes uh, it's used, uh, DNS is used for tunneling. And in that DNS telemetry, you can find evidence of a a species of malware that might be on your network and is surreptitiously communicating um, with a command and control server using DNS as the channel, basically embedding... uh, Uh, outbound data in query names and um, receiving embedded responses in text records or sync records or something like that. So all types of algorithms
1: that can be used for different purposes, do companies need to implement their own algorithms
0: or can they buy them or what? Um, That's a, that's a good question. We actually implement some of those in our own products. So we do our very best, um, to detect DNS tunneling, which is is what I was just describing. Um, In other cases, uh, there are are organizations out on the Internet that have done really impressive work in um, coming up with algorithms like that. So um, one of the the more effective algorithms for uh, identifying domain generation algorithms uh, was developed at Georgia Tech by... um, the Astrolavos Lab uh, run by Manos Antonakakis, who's a, a friend of mine and uh, and some of his doctoral and postdoc students. so if you're if you have a, a staff of um, data scientists and you're <laughs> uh, good at reading academic papers, you could you could read those and and implement them for yourself, uh, probably free of charge.
1: Well, great. Well, well, Cricket, where can I go? or where can our listeners go? to get more information on Infoblox and these DNS solutions that uh, you were speaking about today?
0: Well, of course, we'd love to have them stop by our our website, www.infoblox.com. We do have a lot of of blog content. Um, I've been contributing to the blog on and off for boy, many, many years. And a lot of, a lot of other very bright people have been uh, contributing to them. Um, and we have a whole threat intelligence operation that's based up in the Pacific Northwest. And, um, they've been writing a lot of content specifically, um, related to, uh, to the war in Ukraine right now. And some of the, the emerging threats, um, oh, that are related. Very cons- busy. Yeah. Yeah. And they've, They've done some wonderful stuff, um, publishing blogs and also making available via GitHub um, a lot of uh, lists of of domain names that are uh, being used by the bad guys to try to capture donations, for example, uh, to Ukraine and uh, things like that. So I'd point folks uh, at at the GitHub repo as well, which I think is called uh, – our repo name is, I believe, Infoblox Open.
1: Infoblox Open. All right. And you called right. that GitHub?
0: GitHub. That's right. Okay.
1: So if any of our listeners are convinced and they want to dip a toe, shall we say, into using DNS for security, where should they
0: start? Well, um, you know, the website, I believe, is a, is a good place to start. There's also um, a good website on uh, RPZ information which I think uh, folks might be interested in if they wanted to find out um, more about response policy zones. uh, That would be a a good place to go. I believe that website is dnsrpz.info if they're they're interested in that. Um, So either of those places, I think, would be good starting points.
1: Good, good starting points. Cricket, I want to thank you for being on the digital matrix today and providing your insights. Very interesting discussion. And hey, good luck on that next book as well.
0: <laughs> Thanks very much, Kurt. Pleasure being here.
1: To our listening audience, if you are one that wants to dip your toe into using DNS for security or just to get more information on the content of today's show, contact your rep at GDT or email the show at podcast at gdt.com and we'll bring the right experts to the table to discuss what you have maybe even more importantly what you don't have and how infoblox and gdt can work together with your team to get your organization better protected with dns with cricket Lou, i'm kurt nordquist and this is the digital matrix thanks for listening Thank you for listening to The Digital Matrix with Kurt Nordquist. For more information on the technologies discussed on today's show, you can email kurt at podcast at Please be sure to follow us at The Digital Matrix for more cool tech content on future podcasts.